0: Welcome back to It's One Podcast. I'm Taylor, and I'm Bailey. And Bailey, before we start today, I want to talk to you about Catholicism. Catholicism, Catholicism.
1: I don't know about that, bro. What? What do you mean? I'm just not super familiar with the topic.
0: Why are you not familiar with the topic of Catholicism?
1: Yeah, I've never studied. I've never studied it. It's
0: like one of the oldest religions.
1: I recognize that. I'm just not familiar enough to like have an opinion.
0: How, what do you mean? Uh, that's exactly what I said. They go to Mass. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Holy Water, the Pope. Yeah. Big thing in Europe, Italy. The Vatican's his own city.
1: No, I mean, I'm familiar with the basics and stuff, but I don't know, like, the intricate details.
0: You don't have to know the intricate details. Do you have a rosary? No. No? No, I don't think so. Well, you must not be Catholic then. I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm not
1: opposed to Catholic people, it's just not me. You're not opposed to Catholic people?
0: Yeah. What about Catholic people that kill other people? I'm generally opposed to anyone who kills other people. But what about Catholic people that kill other people that are bad? So, bad is a matter of perspective. Okay, well that's going to be a very interesting topic to discuss when we talk about today's film. What
1: is today's film?
0: The 1999 cult classic... The Boondock Saints, not to be confused with the animated series The Boondocks.
1: Vastly different.
0: Vastly different.
1: So, the movie we're doing was written and directed by Troy Duffy?
0: Yes, it is, starring Sean Patrick Flannery, Willem Dafoe, Norman Reedus, and David Delarocco. Yeah. Who, ironically enough, plays himself in the movie. Yeah, his name in the movie is David Delarocco. Interesting. And they call him Morocco. I don't know why. I just thought it was funny.
1: No, That's just how it plays out sometimes.
0: And sometimes it plays out where you know what's going on. Sometimes it doesn't. But that's like the whole movie.
1: Yeah, it's, sometimes it's hard to follow even though there's not really much to follow.
0: And there's a lot to follow. But on a scale from 1 to, t- one to 5, not 1 to 10, because we don't do that because we're civilized. What would you give us?
1: Um, I'm going to give it a solid 2.5.
0: An average film.
1: Yeah. Very average. Why? It seems to be a typical action movie for the most part. The performances were okay. However, the accents didn't sound very authentic. Which isn't to say that Norman Reedus and Sean Patrick Flannery didn't do a good job. It's just to me their accents weren't authentic at all. They seemed, they seemed very forced. And a lot of the like plot itself... Seemed to not make sense and to not fit together coherently to me. It seemed really silly.
0: Okay, I cannot wait to unpack all this. Okay, because I'm gonna give it a three point five. Okay, I like this movie. I agree with the things that you're saying. It's it's not as high as it used to be for me because of what you said, but I still think that it's a very enjoyable movie.
1: No, it's fun. The first half of this film, I would say, the first like third, it's. I wanted to follow it. I was really into it. But the plot never really pulls together for me in a way that made me actually
0: enjoy it. But the plot's super basic. And how do you mean... I cannot wait to talk to you about it. This is not the place. I would say this is the time where Roger Ebert would give his score. But I guess Roger Ebert didn't like this movie. Because he didn't score it.
1: That should give you some indication about how actual film critics feel.
0: I mean... He didn't do Magic Magic either, and we still did that god-awful movie. <laughs> to each his own. So, uh, But anyway, with that being said, how would you describe this movie? And I want you to do it since you didn't like it as much as I did. But how would you describe it to someone who has never seen it, and you don't want to spoil it for them?
1: I would say that it is about two Catholic brothers who feel like they have a mission from God to wipe out evil after Russians fuck with them a little bit.
0: So it's like a manifest destiny type thing? Yeah. I mean that's fair.
1: Yeah. I would say two brothers got fucked with by Russians, didn't like it, decided to get revenge, and then used God as an excuse to kill a bunch of other people that they perceived as evil.
0: That's the most American thing you've ever said. Is it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, isn't that how we took over, like, the Native American lands is by saying God doesn't want you to have this? Is that what Manifest Destiny is? I mean, yeah, a little bit. It's a sign from God that I'm going to take your land. It's a sign from God that I'm going to kill people. Wasn't that literally the Crusades, too? I mean. Hey, you don't believe in God. You need to die. Are you going to repent? No. Death. If you say so, man. Am, Am I wrong,
1: though? I'm not familiar enough with the subject to have a valid opinion.
0: This movie is basically the Crusades. Taking out evil people. You're laughing, but you know it's true. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it's a, yeah, the, and the Crusades were fucking ridiculous too. <laughs> okay. You want to jump into the spoilers? Yeah, let's hit the spoilers. Roll that beautiful, sweet, sweet spoiler music. That's some great spoiler music.
1: Willem Dafoe is the only part of this movie that I liked.
0: I like how you just jump straight into it. You're, because like <laughs> normally you go, "Oh yeah, that was really nice." I thought we were gonna do that, talk about the music, <laughs> but you're like, "No, no, no we're we're gonna jump straight into it." Yeah,
1: Willem Dafoe, I loved his part. His character was really weird and zany, and I liked every scene he was in even when it didn't really make sense.
0: What do, what do you mean?
1: His character is very strange to me. Especially how he was like he went from being opposed to Murphy and Connor's murder spree and then near the end of the movie as time progressed, he was like their boy, he was helping them out. And to me, that's, like, a very strange transition for, like, a detective or, in this instance, an FBI agent to decide to help the perceivable bad guys. Because even if they're murdering murderers, they're still murdering, which, in the eyes of the law, is still a crime.
0: Doesn't he go to confession and have this exact same conversation with a priest where he's morally opposed to it, but he's not at the same time because of who they're killing? Yes, Where it's, I know that because I'm a person of the law, I should be opposed to it. Yes. But they're just going to get out. I mean, their values and missions towards this basically align. And I think that was because he started seeing who he was killing. It wasn't random. Yeah. It wasn't a rant. Like, I mean, the first one was kind of random, but... That's what sets the whole thing off. And then he's like, okay, I get you now. Don't think he really liked Rocco, but that's not the point. No. Do you like Rocco?
1: So when we were talking off air, I was talking about scenes where the dialogue strangely cuts. Yes. And most of the scenes that that happens involve Rocco.
0: For it could just be that he was saying such off the wall shit that they had to cut it out
1: right but see i don't i don't know why a director would make those choices when editing so for, for what ex- exactly what i'm talking about is there's a scene where murphy Connor, and the funny man rocco are all in rocco's girlfriend's apartment i don't know if she's his girlfriend where they murder the cat they're they're dating yeah that's that's the impression i got But So they're having that conversation, they're arguing, and then it cuts to Rocco and Sean Patrick Flannery leaving the apartment. Right. And that happens two or three times, and those cuts are so annoying to me.
0: I thought they were done arguing when he cuts.
1: No, he was in the middle of, I mean, the conversation was about to be over, but it was still in the middle of a statement. It cut mid-sentence.
0: Well, and there were some pretty weird cuts with this movie in general, but I really do believe that's because of the way that it was intended to be viewed.
1: Right. I'm not saying that it wasn't intentional because obviously there's a lengthy editing process, but to me, Troy Duffy's decision to make those cuts negatively impacted my score.
0: Okay. That's fine, I guess. I mean, I'm
1: just I'm just reviewing the movie, giving my opinions, bud.
0: Giving your wrong opinion, but that's okay. I like this movie. Do you appreciate the way that they do the that the way that they do it, where it shows you the aftermath and then flashbacks to what really happened?
1: Yeah, the duality and the scenes and the juxtaposition between Willem Dafoe's character versus Connor and Murphy, and sometimes Rocco. Sometimes. the It showing, you know, Detective Smacker there basically talking about what's going on and describing to the other officers, oh, this is how it happened. They walked in and they snuck in or they, however they got into the specific scene. I thought those were done really well. My favorite of which being was when they ran into the Duke.
0: Yes, that's my favorite. And there was a fire song. It's beautiful. That, I'm pretty confident he's been memed doing that one with the cigarette where he's like... But that is my favorite. And the whole reason that that is my favorite is because throughout this whole movie, he has been shitting on Greenlee for saying the wrong thing. And he goes... What if it was one dude with six guns, and he's like, "Don't be fucking absurd. Leave the detective work to me." Yeah, and it's like, "Nah, no, nah, it was one guy with six bullets, six guns, six guns. He used six guns. Like, I thought that was funny.
1: No, it was. That was a really cool scene. But the only reason I liked it was because of Willem Dafoe.
0: his overacting. His
1: overacting and just. Paul Smacker is such a great character. Yeah. And, you know, Willem is the perfect choice to play him.
0: Let's start the ass kissing with you. Got a cream cheese on my bagel. You know, I might just want a bagel with my coffee, Greenly. I thought their whole dynamic was holy. I thought the majority of the first part between... Him and Greenlee was comedic gold. No, absolutely. Because even when you know, oh yeah, there's no way that they're gonna come out. All right, they're long gone by now. You're gonna have to take a carrot and dangle it, and then maybe they'll show up. But these guys are long gone, and they go, and then they're you know walking in in the background. Yeah, Uh, thought that was hilarious as he just sits there and looks at him. I thought Greenlee was an interesting character all in his own, and I wish they would have fleshed him out a little bit more.
1: I think that it would have probably added a little more value and maybe made the story more enjoyable.
0: So what was your, what was your problem with the story? Let's start there.
1: So I don't know why Rocco was there at all. Uh, he was called the funny man. That's like what everyone referred to him as. Oh, he's the funny guy. He's funny. He's the funny man. He never did anything even remotely funny the entire movie.
0: He made the Don laugh. Not with because that, with that super racist joke.
1: Right, but it wasn't a funny joke. And no. It was more of a pity laugh. Because he didn't even really finish the joke. He was he was stumbling on it. He was having a problem getting it out. The delivery was horrible. He's not funny. No. So I don't understand why his nickname was the funny man. And I don't understand why Connor and Murphy would associate with them when it's clear that they are trying to be good people, trying to work for the greater good, and he's just an asshole who wants revenge.
0: Because they can use him? I mean, he explains it. Right, but but the
1: reasoning isn't good. To me, I don't think the reasoning is sound and logical.
0: Oh, so and, I think the reasoning sounds fine.
1: And I know you're so su- that we're supposed to suspend our disbelief. Mm-hmm. I just had a hard time understanding his purpose, and my inability to understand his purpose made all the scenes with him seem unnecessary. Like when the doll or the cat gets shot. Yeah. Like the only thing I could see that being is it's kind of a call to Pulp Fiction.
0: Kind of with the Marvin scene.
1: Yeah. Like, and there are a couple of scenes like that where the only reason it appears to be in there is some reference to a different action movie that's more popular or better.
0: I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing.
1: No, because I love homages and Easter eggs and stuff. Right. But it seems like that's the only reason his character was there is to make it easier to throw in these irrelevant plot point or not plot points, even these irrelevant situations that have no effect on the overarching story to make it seem more comparable to more well-known movies such as Pulp Fiction.
0: Okay. Well, let me play devil's advocate here and say, because it doesn't give us a backstory with Rocco. It doesn't give us any indication of how they know each other. It's more than likely the reason that they know him, if I had to guess, was because of the bar. Because it seems like everybody in that bar is very close to each other. And from what I can piece together and maybe form something out of is that he went to the bar. They all met. He became a regular at the bar. And they started to accept him as one of their own, regardless of what he did. Because we don't know what the other guys do either. We just know these two are meat packagers. And he is a package boy for the... I can't remember the family's name. The stars of the Y, I think.
1: I'm not 100% sure.
0: It doesn't matter. It is irrelevant, but... I think that's why they liked him because they've been drinking with him and it formed this close connection because when he dies, they're genuinely upset. Right. And they like him. They want to... They think he's an idiot. Yeah. But at the same time, so does everybody else. I don't think that... I think the funny man thing is an ironic thing because they all know that he's an idiot. I don't think that Don laughed out of pity. I think that he genuinely thought it was funny because... He's a racist piece of shit. I mean, that's fair. That's what I think. Because the way that he laughs, because Ron Jeremy's character doesn't think it's funny. And that's why I like that scene so much. is because he looks at him and then looks at the Don. And you can tell that he doesn't think it's funny. But as soon as he as a uh, Papa Don starts laughing, he goes, <laughs> and like forces it. That's why I like that scene. But at the same time, That's where I'm coming from and that's why he's in there is because of that. If there was more of a backstory, maybe, because you got to remember the whole reason all this started was because Rocco mouthed off to the Russian and he punched him. Right. And then that's when the McManus brothers were like, hmm, can't do that one there, bud.
1: That's fair. I hear what you're saying.
0: You're not buying it, are you? It just
1: it doesn't it's irrelevant like w- the why is irrelevant and even if he's the funny man ironically there's not enough evidence in the movie to suggest that and even why he's their friend is irrelevant because once they start this as you so delicately put it crusade to rid this place of evil he's he's not game he's not playing ball like he, it's very clear that He is not on the same moral level as them so much that even before Willem Dafoe meets them, even before, you know, Detective Smacker meets him or FBI agent Smacker meets him, he's he's already determined. Oh, there are two guys, professionals, and then one guy who's a fucking idiot,
0: which you can tell off of the way that he shoots.
1: Yeah, exactly. So if the inferiority is so obvious that even a third party who's not even directly involved can see it, his presence, his presence annoyed me. Like, I have nothing against the actor. I think he did a fine job for the part he was given. I just feel like the character was written poorly. Which, like I said, the only character I don't think was written poorly is Paul Smecker Because I've seen Sean Patrick Flannery and other things, and he usually does a fine job. He was in Powder. And powders pretty high up there on the list of movies I like, and even Norman Reedus has been in other movies I enjoy. So it's nothing against like the actors or anything like that. I just feel like I feel like the parts weren't written well, the characters weren't fleshed out, the story doesn't make very much sense.
0: Well, yeah, and it wasn't very popular at the time when it was released. It became a cult classic for that reason. Yeah, and that's okay it was kind of what you were saying how you love friday the 13th part three absolutely it is dumb like most horror movies are but at the same time it's a fun kind of dumb
1: no exactly like i'm not trying to disparage anyone who likes this movie because there's a lot of elements of it that i recognize could be enjoyable
0: It just just wasn't your flavor. Exactly. Which is fine, because we're going to do movies that aren't your flavor. Exactly. Well, what did you like besides just the character of Smecker?
1: I thought some of the scenes were pretty cool. And I thought the way some of the scenes were shot were pretty cool. Mostly involving... Okay, so for example, when the brothers, the McManus brothers, go and kill the... The Russian mobsters that Rocco is also sent to kill. Yes, I thought that scene was pretty cool. How they go through like all the action movie tropes of like getting their gear together, and like rope. Yeah, exactly. Like I thought that was cool. I thought the dialogue there was pretty funny.
0: Yeah, because they're treating it like an action movie, and it's not an action movie at all.
1: I mean, it's a fourth wall break. Yeah, no, it is. It feels very much like a fourth wall break, and that's something I appreciate.
0: But in a non it's not as obvious i think
1: yeah it's more of a of a coy off to the side like
0: look at what i'm doing right it's a little passing comment that's made where most people wouldn't recognize that as a fourth wall break unless you're really diving into it
1: well i mean i don't think it's even that most people wouldn't recognize it it could be perceived as just an offhand or not even an offhand comment as just like a like a side remark rather than something important to notice as a fourth wall break.
0: Well, yeah, it could be a, a comment, like a side, uh, off-handed comment. I was going to say offsides comment, but we're not talking about football.
1: I'm not familiar with sports ball.
0: Oh, I know because you called it sports ball. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that scene was funny because of the dialogue. Uh, even when they were fucking with Rocco, I thought it was funny. Which made complete sense because he's like, there's nine and you have six bullets. What were you going to do? Laugh the other three to death?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But I also really enjoyed the acting from David Del Rocco with that part because he was terrified. Like pleading as I believe his character would have because his character's kind of spineless. Oh, yeah. Except at the end.
1: No, he he did fine. He did a fine job acting, especially in that scene.
0: Yeah, you just don't like the
1: character. Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay, so if you could rewrite the characters, how would you write them?
1: I would give the brothers more more distinct dialogue to okay. differentiate them because they both seem pretty similar.
0: Well, and that's that's my problem that I have. It seems like Norman Reedus didn't really talk very much throughout the movie. Sean Patrick Flannery has more lines than he does.
1: So I actually like Norman Reedus more than Sean Patrick Flannery in this. Because while he doesn't have as much dialogue, he does a lot more actions. Like you see him fucking off in the background more or playing with shit in the background or making like funny faces and just acting strange. And to me, that adds a personality to the character. It would make more sense if those actions were done by, quote-unquote, the funny, the funny man. man. But to me, that gave Murphy more of like a distinct personality, and I like that. I just wish it had been more pronounced with Connor as well. Because so Connor
0: that, was more of a hard ass.
1: Well, he felt static.
0: I can see where you're coming from.
1: I mean I mean Murphy felt static too, but at least it was also dynamic in the sense that it wasn't oh I'm gonna deliver this line and make a make a stern face. It was I'm gonna deliver this line and then do something silly. Or I'm gonna deliver this line and then do something to like accentuate what I said to make it to where I don't feel as flat.
0: Like you said, add personality and life to it. Exactly. which And I can agree with that.
1: Which I think that it was a directorial choice rather than the actor's choice, just based on other things I've seen them in where they do super well. Because, like I said, I think they did well, it just the characters weren't written well.
0: You think that Troy Duffy fucked I, up?
1: I think that he has some really, really interesting cinematic ideas in regards to the shots with Willem Dafoe while the scenes are occurring. Like, I think some of those shots are really awesome. I just think that this is his debut film. I think that he just wasn't aware of character design or didn't consider character design as much because he's done things after this that I think were better.
0: What would be an example? The Boondock Saints 3. That's not a movie. It is. You're kidding me. No, no. There's a third one. Oh, yes. I only thought there was two.
1: Yep, it was written by Troy Duffy and Sean Patrick Flannery, and the plot is under wraps.
0: Well, it's, it's not even out.
1: No, I'm just, I'm joking. No, I, I, he hasn't done anything. I was just trying to be nice.
0: No, you did the Boondock Saints too.
1: Right, I said he's done things in the future that I thought were better. <laughs> And I was saying it to give him the benefit of the doubt without actually looking at what he'd also done. But no, looking at the rest of his list of the things I've seen, I don't think any of it is probably better.
0: I'm going to pull him up on IMDb real quick because I don't actually know what he's done past this. Boondock Saints 2, Boondock
1: Saints 3, Blood Council. The Blood Spoon Council.
0: Night Rider 2016... He was a writer on
1: that. He was a a director.
0: He was an executive producer. And he also wrote Guest House in 2020, which is a 4.4 out of 10.
1: Yeah, so probably not better.
0: I would say he probably wrote The Boondock Saints. And the reason that people like this is because of the concept behind it. Maybe the action. Again, the cinematic shit's pretty cool. I like how he does it.
1: No, and conceptually, this has the potential to be a really good movie if the dialogue was a little bit different and the twist, I guess, wasn't dumb.
0: Uh, where it's their dad? Yeah. Yeah, I always felt like that kind of it's comes a, out of left field.
1: It's a, it feels like an easy out. Like, he was running out of time. He was like, oh, I need to get this done. I don't know how to end it.
0: He's just going to be their dad. Yeah. I can, I've can. i always kind of felt that, too, because the first time I watched it, I was like, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Is that why they are the way they are? Do they have it in their blood? I have no
1: idea. I just know that when I found out that the Duke was their dad, I was like, oh, this movie's dumb.
0: <laughs> You're like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. I'm upset.
1: I didn't remember that because I'd seen this movie before like a number of years ago. Like when I was still in like middle school or high school. Mm -hmm. And I didn't remember The Duke was their dad. And rewatching it this time, I kind of got suspicious and I was like, oh no. When I remembered, and then I was like, oh, this is so fucking stupid.
0: You're (laughs) like, I can't believe I did that again. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I know you don't like this movie and that's okay. Well,
1: I'm not opposed. Like I understand why people like it. It's just not the flavor I like. It's like if you're a hard vanilla guy and somebody hooks you up with, like, butterscotch. Like, there's nothing wrong with butterscotch. I just prefer vanilla. What? Yeah.
0: Okay. Weird analogy, bud, but all right. Does that make you feel better to call it that?
1: I mean, I was just trying to give an analogy for people who might not understand my perspective.
0: Okay. That's not fine. about
1: how I feel.
0: It's about how they feel. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I agree. The writing was a little lacking, but the cinematic parts of it were what makes it good.
1: Absolutely, and Willem Dafoe.
0: And Willem Dafoe. We don't deserve him. No, we don't. So I have a little fun fact about this. Okay, what do you got? I had a poster when I was a kid that had the prayer on it, so I have the whole thing memorized. Do you really? Yeah, no, I went through, and I was memorizing it, so it's, uh, And shepherds we shall be for thee, my lord, for thee. Power hath descended forth from thy hand, that our feet may swiftly carry out thy command. And we shall flow a river forth to thee, and teeming with souls shall it ever be. In nomine Petrus, et phile, spiritus sanctae.
1: Okay, so did you not watch the fucking movie? That's what they say. Are you not a, Mac- you're not a McManus? You're not allowed to say that shit. Get the fuck out of here.
0: Technically, anybody can say it's a movie. But <laughs> that was also where I learned, oh, so if you were curious, um, Nomeni patris et filii the sancte, which I probably butchered because I don't speak Italian, is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In is Italian, that Italian or Latin? They're basically the same thing.
1: That's not true at all. Yeah, it is. Latin and Italian? I don't think so, bro.
0: Basically the same thing.
1: I mean, that's like saying English is basically Latin because they're it's based in Latin. They're both Latin-based languages, but I don't think they're. That similar.
0: No, Italian's pretty close to Latin. Okay. Like, pretty damn close.
1: Okay. If you say so, man.
0: I think so. Now, since you have a problem with the plot, do you think that they were justified as to why they were killing people? No. Because of the vision that they had from God, that spiritual awakening in the prison cell? No. Not at all?
1: No. Explain. To me... To me, them being morally just was never fully established. And the Russians initially being bad guys wasn't fully established because they seemed to presume that they owned the bar and had their right to the bar. I didn't see any legal documents saying they didn't. So it could have, to me, it appeared to just be a bar fight where these guys decided, oh, we're going to kill them. So they kill them. And then they really, really enjoy killing, so they continue killing people they perceive as bad. But the evil that these guys are committing, to me, was never fully established, and why these guys are morally just was never fully established.
0: Because they're mobsters, right? But they're criminals.
1: Being a criminal doesn't necessarily mean death is death is the is the way. I mean,
0: it does in this sense.
1: See, I just didn't see enough for them to be justified. Like, had it showed the mobsters, like, for example, I here's, here's I'm going to do a little bit, I'm going to do a new seg- segment called Make It Better.
0: Okay, it's introducing new segments, but all right, we'll make it better. So
1: during the scene when they go in and it's the guys that Rocco was supposed to kill and there were nine of them, Rocco had six bullets, so they go in and they kill those guys. Those guys were just hanging out, right?
0: Kind of, I believe. From what I've gathered, they were talking about something. What were they talking about?
1: I don't know because there's no dialogue. So they were just hanging out as far as we can tell.
0: It looked like a very important meeting. That that guy was the main guy and he was telling all of his lackeys, this is what we're doing. His capos, if you will. If you want to go that route, sure. You call them mobsters.
1: So... So so I, to make it better, instead of those guys just be hanging out in there talking, they could have been hanging out in there with like a copious amount of drugs and a copious amount of weapons and like plans on the walls of this is where we're distributing weapons. This is where we're selling drugs. Like they could have established that these guys are like hardened criminals. They could have even gone, uh, they could have gone the route that they went with the initial bad guy scene where they have them talking and just have them talk in really thick Russian accents because during the 80s, which I recognize this is a 90s movie, but during the 80s, the Russian enemy was like super tropey and even into the 90s. So they could have continued along with their, oh, they're, they're Russian terrorists as a trope. But okay. they're switching to a different genre of bad guy and then not establishing what those bad guys are doing, to me, is silly. I guess
0: I can see that.
1: They could have made it better if they just had drugs and, like, criminal activity clearly going on instead of a meeting. Because lots of corrupt politicians have meetings in hotels, and that doesn't mean you can just roll in and, you know, bring them to justice if, if that's your perspective.
0: But isn't that the whole point of the movie, like, at the very end when they're interviewing people on the streets?
1: Yeah, some people are like, oh, yeah, they're great. And other people are like, nope.
0: They're a menace to society.
1: Yeah.
0: I see what you did there. Yeah, isn't that the that's the point, though.
1: I agree that that's the point. I just don't think it's established super... I mean, it's it's established super well. It's just not... There's not enough there. It's too loose. There's not enough evidence that these are bad guys. There's not enough evidence that these are good guys. And it showing the scene at the end where it gives all the pedestrians' example or perspectives doesn't really make sense because the film is mostly shot in Specker's perspective And the McManus Brothers' perspectives. Those are the two major perspectives we've seen. There are a few scenes we get from Rocco's perspective, but most of them are from Smekers or the McManus Brothers. And during one of those things, it should establish these guys are definitely good, here's why. Instead of, oh, these guys are kind of good. Like, it makes sense for the civilians to not know the pedestrians on the streets being interviewed but us as the audience, from the perspective the film is majoritarily shot in, we should know, definitively. And I feel like I don't.
0: Okay. When you explain it like that, that makes more sense. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about with this movie? No, that's about all I got. What about you? No, that was it. So we can jump into the Taylor talk. Oh, shit. What do you got for Taylor talk today, Taylor? So the Taylor talk is going to kind of go on topic and theme with like the end of the movie right this whole morality thing so my question to you is what justifies something as good and what justifies something as bad
1: did we do this last week
0: no we did we i don't think we did this last week
1: okay so to me if something is a good action it's an action that doesn't hurt anybody and generally helps people
0: we might have done this
1: I feel like we did.
0: I feel like we did do this. Was it one of our Vault episodes? I think so. Okay. Yeah, because I was saving it for this because I thought that it really fit the theme. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we did this for... Taxi Driver?
1: Probably Taxi Driver.
0: Or were we going to save it?
1: I think we did it for Taxi
0: Driver. That's fine. Uh, Okay, since I fucked that up, let's just talk about our week, which is what we do on the pre-pod every week, which we've already talked about it on the pre-pod this week but that's okay because we just won't release that we don't
1: usually release them anyway
0: we don't we talk about it but nobody ever wants to hear it yeah. nobody I ever don't. wants to hear it so let's give them a taste of what the prepod is okay so what did you do this week bailey
1: i played a lot of eso which why? is elder scrolls online for anyone who is unaware
0: why i
1: don't know Um, I've been playing Oblivion a lot recently. I've kind of been back into the Elder Scrolls thing. And I have my character basically maxed out on Oblivion. All of my attributes are 100 other than luck, which is 73, I think. And most of my stats are 100 or uh, above 100. Because if you do all of the Daedric quests in that, like at all the Daedric shrines... You can then go to the last shrine, and you get a book from doing it after you capture a soul of every ten races in the uh, in Oblivion, in Tamriel, if you will. So you capture these ten souls, and then you get this book that boosts your stats. It boosts your major attributes by five, and the associated stats by ten with it. So my Destruction, Conjuration, Restoration, Illusion, Mysticism. And alchemy are all, like, 110. And my intelligence and wisdom base are 105. So my character is just fucking awesome. Or intelligence and willpower. Wisdom's not a stat. But you know what I'm saying.
0: Dear Lord, that was nerdy.
1: Yeah, so because of that, it made me, like, really excited. So I was like, I'm going to download some fucking ESO. uh." So I've been playing ESO because Oblivion really, really was fun for me to play.
0: I haven't played ESO in
1: years. I haven't played it since 2015.
0: Yeah, I started in 2015, quit in 2016, picked it back up in like 2019, 2020, and then haven't played it since.
1: Yeah, I picked it up in 2015, played for like a week, and then I had to go and do army stuff for like two or three months and wasn't able to take my console. So I was like, Oh, I guess I'm not gonna play and then when I got back I was like way behind and my guild had already started doing other stuff and I was like, Oh, I'm just not gonna play anymore.
0: Do you wanna form a guild together? I
1: mean, I'm playing. Me and me and uh my roommate have started playing together.
0: Oh yeah, why don't we play games together? You have a Playstation, bro,
1: I have an Xbox.
0: I have a Playstation right behind me. Unopened.
1: That's yours though.
0: I'll give it to you. I would give you this PS5.
1: I don't know about we all that. We can play together. I don't know about all that. That's a dangerous proposition. Why? Because I would have no life if I had got another gaming console.
0: You don't have a life now. I do too. What do you do? I record podcasts. That's not a life. I disagree. Okay. What do you do besides that?
1: Play video games and watch TV. Exactly. I do a little bit of D&D. On the side.
0: My God, you must get laid so much.
1: <sighs> Not as often as you'd think.
0: Oh, I, it's probably as often as I think, based off of what you just described.
1: <laughs> uh, what about you, Taylor? What did you do this week?
0: Oh, Went to the gym, got a new trainer, hurt myself. He specifically told me to start taking it slow, and doing slower reps hurt me. I was going too fast. Started my new job How last was week. It was good. Um, this is the first week where I'm kind of still learning a few things, but really learning more of what I'll be doing. They put me in charge of as like the safety officer, and I don't think I'm equipped to be the safety officer.
1: You're not a very safe person.
0: No, and they want me to conduct fire drills, tornado drills, and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't think you've ever met me
1: see i'm the kind of person who if i was told to conduct fire drills and i didn't think people were taking it seriously enough i'd go to the bathroom and start a fire just to see what's up is that something is that from the office is that something he did
0: yeah god damn it he heats up because nobody's taking it seriously so he uses a blowtorch on the handle to make it super hot so whenever they touch it it burns and then he has like he starts a trash fire with a cigarette and then holds it up to the sprinkler system, or the smoke alarm, so the sprinkler system goes off. It's beeping, and he doesn't put it out. They're still fire blazing, and they're trying to to get out, touch the handle, and freak out about it. And he goes, can't do it. There's a fire on the other side. And then basically says that they're all dead. Like, you failed. You all would have died if this was a real fire. And they're all super mad at him.
1: So I haven't seen the office in a very long time, but that's probably where I got that idea. But that's definitely something I would do.
0: Oh, I've thought about it. (laughs) Like I'm a safety officer. I'm joking.
1: Taylor, don't say that. We're recording this on a podcast that we intend to release to the public. Now, if your building catches on fire, I'm going to have to send this to somebody and be like, he basically admitted to it.
0: (laughs) He said he did it. Started doing that. So that was really cool. Um, been hanging out with Gina. That's pretty nice.
1: That's your lady friend. For any audience members who want to know but don't,
0: yeah, she's my lady friend. So, but you're you're looking at me weird. No, I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> you met her.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, she seems like a nice lady. A nice lady. She got us. She made podcast t-shirts for us. Like, right now, I'm wearing a podcast t-shirt, and that's because Gina made it for me.
0: And I'm not wearing any clothes.
1: He's also wearing a podcast T shirt.
0: Because Gina made it for me. Yeah. No, she's super supportive and really cool, so we'll uh we'll keep her around. <laughs> but yeah, that's what we've been doing. And then I have a I have two birthday parties to go to, I guess, on Saturday. That sounds miserable. One of them is for a small child, the other is at a bar with adults. The bar
1: with adults might be acceptable, but the small child one sounds unpleasant.
0: It probably is, but that'll be fine. Yeah, children. But yeah, just started doing that, so we're trying to get uh, we're trying to get buff, jacked, and juicy.
1: That's exciting.
0: And so we'll see, we'll see what happens. We yeah, got a new personal trainer. Started doing that, and uh, it's been kind of it just really focusing on on work. It's it's odd being salaried. 'Cause I don't clock in anymore and nobody tells me when to get there and when to leave and what to do. They're like, Hey, these things just have to get done and I'm like, Oh don't worry, dude, I got it. They'll get done probably. They'll get done. But yeah, kinda wanna keep this job. Like it more than the last, so
1: that's the most important thing.
0: Oh yeah, this, this job makes me a lot happier and I have a lot more freedom to be able to do stuff.
1: What is this job?
0: Um, I am a trainer. So I train people to hold down other people in a safe way. And then they're also gonna get me certified in CPR, so I'll be able to teach you CPR.
1: That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it's a it's it's great. It's kind of like jujitsu, but not as cool.
1: <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far.
0: I would, cause it's like basic principles of jujitsu. So I'm basically a black belt. <laughs> Just saying. But yeah, that's been it. And then recording the podcast, watching some good movies. I haven't really seen a movie that was really good lately. Um, but I do want to pick up Resident Evil Four remake and i picked up persona three and four on the switch
1: how's that treating you
0: i haven't started playing it yet but i because i know i'm gonna like hundreds of hours are gonna be sunk into those games
1: i definitely feel that persona five royal i spent hundreds of hours on yeah
0: probably gonna buy that one too because i have five for the playstation 4 but i don't have a royal
1: oh you gotta get royal it adds an extra semester
0: so it's okay yeah i'll I'll do that then because golden was better because it adds an extra i don't know if it's an extra semester but it adds character links have you beat four yet okay
1: no i've played a little bit of four and a little bit of three um golden and portable but i haven't gotten very far in either of them
0: because they're great
1: no i've just got a lot of games i'm playing
0: that's fair because I'll probably buy Resident Evil and then sink a lot of time into that and be able to 100% it and unlock everything because that's usually what I do.
1: Yeah, I mean Resident Evil games are hard to 100% generally.
0: I didn't like the Mercenaries in 8 though. In Village, I didn't like the Mercenaries at all so I never did them. That's but cool. I like the Mercenaries in 4. Well, yeah. So I'll probably end up buying that. Yeah. Yeah. That's it.
1: And with that...
0: That's a review.
1: This has been 2IDH1 Podcast. I'm Bailey. And I'm Taylor. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye
0: bye. Bye.